1: Um, I had the time wrong on the show, so your show, so it might show on your screen that there are only like 14 minutes left, but um, there's really 120 minutes. I fixed it, but it, you won't see that until it clicks over or if you refresh. So just FYI. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> tonight we're going to talk about the quantum bang, and Jilly is. Um, on air, and um, we'll we'll she'll be on air shortly, and we'll be talking about um, alpha and beta readers for the challenge, and um, we'll we'll see how long we can stay on that topic.
0: Hello. Probably not long. I mean, it seems like it's a straightforward subject. But <laughs> who knows?
1: I could I could well, talk anything into being longer than it needs to be. <laughs> I think that actually um that often we um we talk, we talk about alpha and beta readers, but we don't really um we never really dug in deep. I think kind of glanced over, you know, the process from a from a writer's point of view. Mhm. But so So there's room. I, there's room. I um, I, I have some Sierra Mist. They're selling Sierra Mist again, you know, because they changed the name something stupid, and that didn't work out for them apparently. Because now Sierra Mist is back on the shelf, and I have a, uh, I have Sierra Mist Zero, no sugar. Um, I have not tried it yet. I don't know how I feel.
0: Are but you worried about sugar? being disillusioned?
1: Yes, because, well, you know, I love Sierra Mist, but the tiny eight ounce cans of Sierra Mist have 24 grams of sugar. Wow, where do you get I'm an eight ounce, ounce can? The little cans that come, you don't have the little cans? Not
0: eight
1: ounce ones, no.
0: Nope, nope, nope.
1: They're. Well, they're not. As, they're 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 about half the size. Yeah, they're about eight ounces. Yeah, I can get them in Coke and Diet Coke and Sierra Mist. Yeah, have, I guess we I guess we don't have the little cans. We just have the regular twelve ounce ones or sixteen ounce bottles.
0: But I mean, that
1: much sugar in eight ounces. They're they're That's seven point five foot ounces is is what they are. The, the mini cans I don't have mini cans At my grocery store I don't think I've ever had mini cans At my grocery store
0: Except ginger ale For some reason there's always Mini cans of ginger ale I guess that's for people Who are nauseated But don't want a lot of soda <laughs> I don't know
1: Right I got that makes sense But 24 grams I'm only allowed 50 a day And that's including and your Natural t- sugars Like in fruit You know I tell people I like I just I don't like drinking
0: I don't like drinking my calories
1: So it's not bad. I'm not mad at it. It might taste better with vodka in it. <laughs> hmm. But with that's, anything, not, that's not going to help your sugars. No, no, no. But 24 grams of sugar in a 8 and a 7.5 ounce can is ridiculous. I completely agree Twenty, 24 grams that is just outrageous so to be zero calories and zero sugar I'm not mad at it which is good because my tea is not finished brewing it's terrible over here mm. wow well, okay so a
0: teaspoon of sugar has four grams of sugar in it so that would be eight teaspoons of sugar in that can That's ridiculous. I agree. I totally with you there. We are so inured to the taste of sugar, we don't even notice it anymore.
1: I will say that because I've cut so much sugar from my diet, and most of the time the sugar I get is coming from, like, fruit, because I have a fruit addiction, um, that having real sugar in my mouth is kind of startling. Like, I um, nagged us. Tiny corner of fudge from my nephew the other day. I mean, it was probably like it would have fit on my pinky nail. That's how much fudge I had. It was just a little bitty amount, and I put it in my mouth, and I was like, "Oh, oh, that's so gross! It was disgusting. Mm. It was just so bad. It was disgusting. I was like, oh my god." <laughs> i ruined myself. <laughs> hmm. But I've been basically sugar-free or very, very low sugar. Like, you know, there's some items you can't really get sugar-free. Um, but very, very low amounts of sugar um, since April. Yeah, your taste buds have changed. Anyways, I am at 88K on my story. Damn. I'm also, because of the way I structured my story, I did three arcs. I realized I could actually end my story on arc two, at the end of arc two. But while I think it would be intellectually satisfying, it wouldn't be emotionally satisfying. But the other side of it is, is there's going to be a (laughs) bloodletting. in arc 3. Um so it's a it's a it's a loss and a gain in the same moment. Mhm. So I don't know if my arc 3 is actually more um I don't know if it actually serves my character well especially one character or if it's more about making myself happy. Anyway. Well,
0: Kind of your 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 point originally, right? Right.
1: Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, your I art do, three. I
0: like your art three too. Um. I mean, sometimes you start down a story with a with a, 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 a place you're going, and then it just doesn't quite work out that way. But I think
1: it's more important that you make yourself happy. Well, yeah, true. And the, sweet, the, the thing is, the arc three came out of a consequences arc. Like, you know, if my character does this, 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 and this, this happens. You know, he tried to do this, and this happened. You know, there's, you know, his there are responses and rippling out. And I think that the consequences that take place in the act three, or arc three, um, play really well. With the rest of what's already happened. And it speaks to the nature of um, the chaos of human nature, which I, you know, was, was part of my my goal in, um, in the story in that you can try to fix everything and still fail. You can still know everything you need to know to make the world perfect and it still won't be. Perfect. All right. Anyways, this is actually something that, um, this is what an alpha reader does. <laughs> because eventually, I am going to have, um, one of um, the bitches do an alpha read for me and, um, l- let me know if I've gone too far or if I didn't go far enough, or depending on the alpha reader, it could be, you know, you can really use a blowjob right about here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think sex would be out of line right here. But you know, um yeah. <laughs> but Chris works so much, she doesn't really get to do that much anymore. Um but uh there is I mean, but I do think she would honestly really enjoy my project. Don't you? Yeah, I think she would too. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not absolutely. You listen to it. <laughs> it's it's not a tease. I think you're really going to love my new project. <laughs> but, um, I, uh, an alpha reader, um, their, um, their job is to look at your overall, your story in its whole, um, and pick out, you know, problems, consequences, um, check your ripples, um, come back to you with an offer of solution if you want one um give you a list of problems that you think that they think that they see in your work and then it's up to you as a writer with what you do with that information at least that's how I view the alpha relationship
0: yeah
1: I mean if we look at it um
0: kind of we we I think we've kind of mapped the beta versus alpha to the what those roles would be in the professional writing world, and the alpha would be kind of analogous to the content editor um or developmental editor and whereas the beta is more like the line editor copy editor type role mm-hmm. and um, I think that the alpha reader can get involved depending upon what kind of help you need. So like somebody's a full alpha read, they're looking at your full products. Um, that would be kind of like the development. That would be kind of like the content editing thing is here's the whole thing. Let's talk about content, the content that's content editing, right? Let's talk about the content. Mm-hmm. Um, Your your GMC. Let's talk about pacing. Let's talk about characterization. And you may not want all of that feedback. Now, in a obviously in a professional writing setting, you don't really get a choice about what feedback you get. Um, But when it comes to you know um, fan fiction, you do. You can say I don't want characterization feedback, um, or um you can say I, I i'm not interested in i mean honestly if somebody told me they wanted me to alpha read for them and they told me they're not interested in pacing or gmc feedback i'm asking i don't know what you want i don't think i can help you then
1: because that's kind of like cutting alpha feedback off at the knees just to, to take out i mean if you want me to pat your head i can do that without reading your shit yeah Now, alpha reading is not the same thing as being, you know, being like an alpha. Because somebody
0: can alpha read, like, along with you and help you work out problems as you go. um, Kind of developmental thing. But that's not the same as a bounce buddy. If you're asking somebody to help you, like, from an alpha perspective, and you just want them to mirror back your opinions, then you don't need an alpha reader. That's, you know, you don't don't need – and I've had that. I've had that where somebody wants to present me a problem – and they'll say, like, is this implausible or whatever? And I'll be like, yeah, this is implausible. This is why, and here's how you can fix it. But what they really wanted was for me to pare it back, mirror, mirror their opinion and tell them that what they had come up with was great. And I'm not just – it's a big old waste of my time. Um, they can get – I mean, I'm not interested in just getting, mirroring people's opinions back at them. So when I spent a lot of time with somebody and then they just went ahead and wrote their bad idea anyway, <laughs> um, and it was a bad idea um, because the, the, what the, the idea they liked, they would have to change their idea too much to make it not have giant implausible plot holes. It wasn't plot holes, implausibilities, um, like epic, um, you know, suspension of just disbelief implausibilities, like people you can't get past it things. Um but she felt like she had changed her idea too much.
1: You can do that if you okay. want to, but don't expect people to overlook it. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can do anything you want as, a, as a, a writer, but if, if especially if somebody, if you ask and somebody says this is so implausible that it just defies it, this would never happen. This would never happen in the world world. This only happens in fiction. It's going to be a suspension of disbelief for issue for people. And then your readers notice it. You don't get to get mad if they notice it. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were warned.
1: Um, now, you can tell them you don't want their feedback. I do it all the time. But you kind of earned it. Just, you know. Sometimes I have done things in my fix thinking, yep, I'm going to get some emails about that shit. Did I care? No. Did I get emails? You betcha. The it goes. I saw that shit coming a mile away. Still did it. I have, I mean, I have left some
0: stuff in. I'm like, okay, I've hand-waved, like, some science around, but no more so typically than I would see in canon. It's like in canon, now, granted, there are so many, a, across the scope of movies and books, there's so many procedural issues um, and implausibilities that you could pretty much hand-wave anything away, but I'm not looking at the entire scope, right? Like, I, I, I would do the, if I'm writing an NCIS story, the science would be Consistent with what we see in, in the canon of the show, not with any canon anywhere, you know. Um, but you know, so I mean, I do hand waves and stuff. that would be a struggle for um, somebody maybe who works in a crime lab. But if they, if they're, if they're that upset about you know procedural stuff, they wouldn't be reading and watching NCIS anyway, right? right. So. But if somebody tells you no, 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 that doesn't make any sense, you know, or or whatever, especially if you ask for that feedback. I mean, that's the thing is you ask for an alpha read. I need an alpha reader to help me with this, and and they go over your idea and they're like, well, and this wasn't an idea. This was like this is the idea stage, right? This wasn't even a story yet, and I was like, nope, 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 this doesn't work, and why? And um, I, I, you know, I put a lot of effort into working this out with them, and then I get this thing back. I decided not to use any of that. I just, I really need to use that original idea, or I lose interest in the story. Really, you lose interest in the story if it's plausible. Okay, whatever you do, you. Um, and she went forward <laughs> with that. She went. She went forward with the impla- implausibility. Well, like okay, whatever. But if you, you know, this is one of the things I tell people: is don't ask for an alpha reader if you're not. Actually,
1: wanting an alpha read, or if you're not um, going to do the work, you you go in and do an alpha read. Now, for me, when I ask for an alpha read, it's because I think I have a problem and I'm not really sure what it is, um, or it's a new fandom for me, and I'm not I don't have all my characters on lockdown, um, or it's a new circumstance, and I'm like, mm, you know, tell me what you think of this, but and. That feedback is valuable. So don't waste somebody's time asking for an alpha read if you're not going to actually um, take the information. If if you're trusting somebody with an alpha read, you need to to value their time. And if you don't trust them and you don't trust their feedback, then why the hell did you ask them to do an alpha read? Because I wouldn't ask anybody for that, just anybody for that. Yeah, I agree. I,
0: I I only alpha read people. Uh, who, I only ask for alpha reads from people whose opinions I trust, um, and also that I trust them with my work and my process and that kind of thing. Um, but also, I have to have confidence that they're not going to be bent out of shape if I don't take don't don't go with it. You know, um, right? I usually take alpha feedback on board very seriously. Um, but sometimes I may choose to go a different direction or or whatever, or, you know, work my problem. And if, if I know there's a problem, I'm going to do something, but I may choose to work out it in a different way. It's people, it's people, especially people in fandom. I don't really find those people who work in writing, the writing field professionally get like this. People in fandom will get really bent if if you don't accept their advice. And um, that's just, you. Guess, you got to, this is that whole alpha beta thing. you got to just separate yourself from the, the other person. you, you got to separate yourself from your opinion. I mean, your opinion, you're offering it because they asked for it, but whether they take it or not, it's their work. You're not on the hook for any of
1: it, right? So, In the end, a creative product, even in the professional environment, um, I have uh, said no to, to editorial changes. Um because I didn't like the direction um or the vibe that it gave the story, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that um i don't I don't feel comfortable doing that you know it it, it crosses a boundary um, <clears throat> i um have never had an an editor force me to make a change when it comes to content. I never actually argued grammar because grammar isn't my my strong suit. And um, if they tell me I need to put a comma there, I'm going to put a fucking comma there. <laughs> put the comma. <laughs> yes, yes, comma, yes. <laughs> Wait. Do your comma. I really I really like that semicolon. <laughs> Can we talk about it? Because <laughs> I have attached to my semicolons. I have to say. <laughs> so I have actually I have fought for a physical one before. But for the most part when it comes to grammar I don't I don't argue. Um but uh content is it's a different matter and in the end, um, while the editor's name may or may not be in your book, depending on the publisher, uh, it's not their book. It's yours. Yeah. No. Extra spaces are just me um thinking. Now I've gotten to the point now where I'll do a find and replace and do a you know try to find all my extra spaces, but it's just me thinking, and my thumb gets itchy. <clears throat> you know when I'm when
0: I'm editing, it, it's there's this funny thing about some puncture. Well, some puncture has to go. It's like if I see a per- parentheses, it's like, what is this? No,
1: <laughs> no,
0: okay. um, colons colons I try to, to, to weed them out but I mean if an author fights for it it's like what am I going to do right um, so some punctuation is kind of like an optional thing but kind of my like with, with semicolons it's a little bit more so it's parentheses no colons uh, probably no I'm going to fight you hard on it um, semicolons my role of the thumb with some semicolons if I'm starting to notice their usage you've got too many
1: yeah um, I'd say so
0: so what I'll do is I'll kind of, but I'll get to the end. And I go, okay, uh, I've noticed a lot of semicolons. So we're going to, we're going to weed those out. Um, but mostly, you know, funny, it's funny the things that authors fight. Like some authors with like, you want to change a word and they're like, no, nope. you're you're nope. touching my thing. And another author, I go, this whole scene, you know, I put in the scene uh, is, is kind of, it's, it seems superfluous. It doesn't really add to the story. Um, and it's kind of ruining the pace. Okay. We'll just take the, and I, I suggested some reworking of it and then I get back her edits and the whole scene is gone. (laughs) I was like, okay. All right. Well, that was easy. Um, So you just never know how people are going to react because you give them some feedback and you say, here's the thing, and you could do this, and you could do this. Here are your options. And I was thinking I was going to get some reworking, or in this case, actually a blowjob. And I get back and the whole scene is gone. I was like, well, actually, it's a great improvement. So, um, you know. but other But other other authors don't want to change a word. It's just you never know which way it's going to go. But ultimately, when it comes to the word on the page – All you can do is give feedback, and that—that's this is the alpha side of things, right? This would be the analogous to the alpha side of things. All you can do is give the feedback, and they either accept it or they don't. And it's not about – the only time I – when it comes to the content alpha side of things, the only time I bring up punctuation or spelling or word usage is if there's a systemic problem, like they're using something consistently wrong. And then I'll make and then I won't fix it, but I'll make a note. You are consistently doing this wrong. um
1: did you know that that's not how you spell Ron index <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: well there's like the word doubles that are very difficult to um, that a lot of people get wrong. Um, like poor and poor, um forego and forego um, it's all different spellings, but they're they're just they're close enough that you know ordinance and ordinance you know it's like the spellings are different, and the words mean something different, but people mix them up, and a lot of editors don't even notice that the mix you've got a word mix up so
1: affect and effect um. I'm terrible with ordinance. Um, I also have a problem with corporal and... Corporal? Corporal?
0: Corporeal?
1: Corporeal. <laughs> corporeal, yeah. I fuck it up all the time. <laughs> but, me you know, my biggest one is lead and lead.
0: L-E- yeah.
1: It's because it phonetically sound. I mean, it sounds... You know... I can't tell metal. you how many times one of my characters has L-E-A-D, another one into another room. <laughs> Which is no. <laughs> Which, if you wrote in present tense, would be fine. Um, but I don't write in present tense, so it's terribly wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah. So when I see systemic issues on an alpha side, I will mention like you know you're because I, even I can something being wrong once is not a systemic issue. It's when it's wrong consistently that you go, okay, you're doing this wrong. I mean, I told Pat to tell somebody, you're using semicolons wrong. <laughs> if you really want to use them, I don't care, but use them correctly. Um, so to me, that's kind of like, um, that's more like developmental editing kind of feedback. Is like you're kind of, this is a system, an issue in your writing. Go, do, go, go figure it out. Um, but when it comes to like putting a comma here, a comma there, fixing this, fixing that, um, that's Beta-ing, thats copy editing, line editing, which is a whole different thing. Um, and I think that people um, in the in the fan fiction world don't understand the difference between alpha and beta reading, and it partially because some people develop very tight relationship with one person, and one person does. Both the alpha and the beta, and it all is done together, and that's not unheard of uh, but like I've alpha Rista, Kistera, that for me I also, yeah, I have for you, and I also beta for you sometimes right. so, um, but when you're asking me for alpha help, I'm not gonna nitpick your commas or talk to you about spelling um, I did poke you about ordinance. yeah or at one time yep.
1: ordinance. Yeah, ordinance. I was fucking up ordinance. I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know there were two different words. I was like, what, really? I had to go look it up. I'm, I'm not even ashamed. I was like, seriously, there's two words? Well, you learn something new every day. I had no idea. I thought they were the same word, just different meanings. Yeah, slightly different. Well, the eye, it's so easy not to see
0: the eye that they look like they're spelled the same. Um. But I only—I was only said that because you'd ask me a question or something else. I was like, oh, by the way. Um, if, and the only reason I mentioned it even then was because it's something Spellcheck wouldn't catch. And most grammar no, checkers aren't going to catch has that. never
1: caught it. And I can't, I don't even want to know how many times I've misused it. <laughs> <laughs> I, should go do a, yeah. I should go do a search on my site. <laughs> don't, don't. Why would you do that to yourself?
0: Don't trigger your OCD. Right. Ignorance um, is OCD win. bliss. Because it certainly would, um, but it's important when you're doing that with someone is you kind of try to. If you're if you're the one person for somebody, um, or you do, or you happen to do both for them, and they, it doesn't matter. But it, whenever you're working with someone, it's important you distinguish about what you're doing with for them, um, because otherwise. You might be giving them. You you might be wasting both your time if you're giving them feedback they don't want or aren't ready for. Like if someone's in their rough draft and you're talking to them about comma placement, that's probably not when they're asking you for feedback on the story. That's probably not what they're looking for, is commas. Um,
1: Well, what I would say is whether or not you actually accept the um, the uh, feedback you get from your alpha, it is. 97% Say ninety-seven percent of the time, it would be inappropriate to get angry with them over anything they might say about your stuff. But as I say it's not a hundred percent because you, we all, we have all encountered that terrible asshole in fandom who will rip a story to pieces for no other reason than to satisfy themselves, and that's someone you want to avoid the rest of your life. So there is a difference. Um, But for the most part, you know, people approach the beta process from a very generous place. And so don't get bent out of shape with them if you don't like what they have to say. Yeah. Unless they're being a complete and total douchebag. And if you're not sure, please feel free to pass your alpha read to me, and I will let you know if they're being a douchebag or not. (laughs) (laughs) I might let them know, too. You were a total douche. How dare you? (laughs) <laughs> and we talked
0: about coming at this from kind of a, from a perspective of the alpha reader. so I guess we'll do alpha or I guess we're going to focus more on alpha now, and we can talk more about beta later, but um, uh, the first rule about going into an alpha read is you well, for starters, know if you're qualified to do it, okay? know if it know if that is something you are capable of doing. Are you capable of finding? the kinds of issues that an alpha reader needs to be able to find and there are you could specify i'm good at this this and this but i'm not so great at this um i'm so you could say i'm good at gmc i'm good at pacing i'm good at characterization um whatever and in case of fan fiction characterization can be a big thing to call out um Now, if if it's not fan fiction, characterization can still be a thing because you're looking for more characterization consistency. But when it comes to consistency, characterization, um, canon. Canon can be, like if you're a canon expert, you might be alpha reading for somebody from that perspective if somebody needs help with understanding the interplay of canon. So there have been times when i have like, I'll alpha read for somebody and I'll tell them I don't really know the canon of this show very well. So if that's an issue, I can't help. Um, and that can actually make the alpha, potentially, if the person doesn't know the canon, more or less effective. Because if they don't know the canon, they can really spot where they're lost. They can go, I'm so confused here. Because in general, in my opinion generally is if you're writing something kind of novel-length, so people shouldn't need to know the canon intimately to understand your story.
1: It should really stand on its own
0: it yeah. should stand some little
1: short story some little
0: short snippet episode tag or something yes the canon is very necessary all the people who've seen it are going to get it fine but if you're writing something that's a full story it should be able to stand on its own so somebody who doesn't know the canon could be an asset to you but conversely you might need somebody who knows the canon so you need to know what you're looking for but as an author you need to know what it is that you can do um, can you can you spot goal motivation conflict can you Tell can you look at understand rising action, you understand narrative structure? What do you understand and what can you bring to the table? And maybe you don't understand it in those words, maybe you can't relay it in those words, but you can say maybe you can't talk about narrative structure, but maybe you can say that you understand um characterization and consistency and pacing. Those are all, you know, pretty straightforward concepts and if you're good at spotting that kind of thing and seeing issues then you can call that out if you're not good at something you need to be able to tell the author that because if if that's the thing they're looking for if they're looking for help with internal and external motivation and that's a weak spot for you you wouldn't want to volunteer to alpha read for them it's just a waste of both of your time
1: well oh um we 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 had floated the idea of um, having alpha and beta readers be a part of quantum bang officially. Um, And uh, that's why we set it up. And um, there's actually a forum. And once you get your login details, if you, if you volunteer for that, you'll see the forum where you can put a little advertisement up about what you can do to help. There are 83 authors currently participating um, in quantum bang. We don't know how many of them are going to cross the finish line. And how many of them are going to need help, and what their resources currently are. So we thought if we had a little um, classified section <laughs> in the forum for people who can offer some, you know, some skills, that it would be a benefit. So um, it is what it is. That that's why that's there.
0: Oh, Ellie! Congratulations. Ellie crossed 50 K today. Yeah. So I, I'm really excited to have, because in fans in fandom alphas and betas are really a big part of the whole process. And so I really, and they've tr- traditionally been a part of the bang. I, when when Karen and I talked about how to set this up, I did not want to put a gate about beta readers on a lot of uh, bangs require you to have a beta reader. Um, I didn't want to put that gate in place because every author I know has had beta angst, trouble finding beta readers, beta readers they trust, beta readers who are reliable is difficult. So when you put a gate on completion of you have to have a beta reader, it it inhibits it participation. Um, so we did put some rules in place. You have to spell check and run a grammar checker if you don't have a beta. And actually I think you should do that anyway because there are people who've had their work beta and I'm scratching my head going can neither of you run a spell checker? I guess not. Um
1: So it's generally a good idea to always spell check your own work, but um I use Grammarly. I have it installed on my computer um as a um as a add-on for Microsoft Word. Uh, it's not perfect of course um no, nothing is i've run various um versions of this in the past uh not grammarly but different programs i do a microsoft, I, I use microsoft word as well just to you know cuz it it'll catch different things and sometimes it'll point out something to me that i didn't notice or um it's very good about finding duplicate uh spaces too uh but it's just um i I do when I'm ready for beta, I get my final draft together, I do a spell check, I do a grammar check with Microsoft, I do a grammar check with Grammarly, and I do two full reads. Then I pass it to a beta.
0: I don't usually do two full reads. I'm kind of with you on everything else. But reading it twice in a row, I tend to see mistakes less. The more I read it, the less I see problems. It's just the way my brain works. So, yeah. But I would never I've, – I've had people pass off betas to me, me for me to beta, that had spelling errors, like on the first page. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. And I find out that not only did they not run a spell check, but that they are sending me their rough draft. Um, the only time I would ever accept a rough draft from somebody is if I was alpha reading for them. I don't accept rough drafts as a beta ever. I used to. I used to try not to make waves with authors, but I was like, why am I trying not to make waves? This is this is volunteer effort. And if they can't do what I consider the bare the minimum, minimum, right? Which is to fucking run spell check, um, then I'm not wasting my time. So. Now I just pass it back. I'm like, nope. I you need to you need to get this in better shape. And then I, if I find out, I actually would probably refuse to work with somebody who said they sent me their rough drafts if I was betaing. If I was betaing, because um, it's just very different. I would expect to get a rough draft as an alpha because if they've gone if they think they need alpha help, and they've already done all their cleanup and they've presented a final draft, that could be a lot of wasted effort if they have to do some rewrites. Or add scenes or take scenes out. I mean, that could. It's just doing a final draft before going to content editing is crazy cake. Um, In fandom.
1: Fandom. In fandom, yeah. I would. I would. (laughs) Let's put a little. Let's put a little caveat on that. In fandom, um, I have pissed off writers in my life because I refuse to read their rough draft. I don't read rough drafts for original work. If. because I don't alpha read for writers as a rule. I used to. I don't anymore. more. Um, and I, when I give feedback, it's um, more of a, you can take these three elements out or your book's not going to sell. <laughs> you need more of this. And can you please stop calling the penis a sword? We would all really appreciate it really appreciate yes, I have being no weapon given terms to a writer before do not use weapon not weapon words for penis if you can't say cock don't say anything say erection say hardness ew uh, well, I, I'm just Hold saying
0: on, on, on. I mean hardness is better than sword or the rigid right? manifestation of his desire but it's not great
1: <laughs> the rigid manifestation of his desire. <laughs> You've read that somewhere. <laughs> oh yes, yes I have. <laughs> it always
0: stuck with me because I was like, the what now?
1: <laughs> the what?
0: <laughs> That's a oh, lot direction. of words.
1: Instead, of when you could have just said, "Dick." <laughs> But, you know, some people, some writers just cannot use the explicit terms, and they're really deeply uncomfortable with it. And I would never suggest to them that they use words they're uncomfortable with because um, your words should be a comfort to you, not a source of en- embarrassment or um, discomfort. So um, if you yeah, can't use words, use what you can, right. but avoid turning the penis into a weapon.
0: Well, fade to black. I agree. Euphemisms are better than purple prose. So I agree. Hardness, maleness—I don't know. Whatever, whatever term you have to use, <laughs> is better than 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 drifting toward weaponry or purple prose. No, not even not even as as does it for humor. She doesn't do it actually in stories. And if she does, I don't know that I could get through it. I'd be like, no, I, I'm sorry, I, I have a there's there there's swords in there. Unless it's an actual sword, and then it better not be in the
1: bedroom <laughs> or in a vagina, because that's just fucked up. And no, I don't think she does, but yeah, she does do it for humor, and that's that's okay. I, and crack, you know, squish, <laughs> bumbled. <laughs> But, um, yeah, as a rule, when it uh, it comes to original fiction, um, I will not read a rough draft. Um, I I might read a second draft if it's somebody that I know really well. Um, But if I encounter a spelling error in the first two pages, I'm going to close it. And this is what it boils down to. If I notice. And I am not a great speller. So if I notice a misspelled word in the first two pages of your manuscript, you got bigger problems than you misspelled. If I notice your grammar at all when I'm reading your work, you've got problems. Because I only notice grammar when I'm bored. <laughs> or it's really a yeah. Like putting yeah. in the, of the paragraph.
0: <laughs> If there are times I am so entertained, I don't notice first person. I don't notice present tense. I'm just there, right? I'm in that story. That is, that is, that is ideal, is you want the person reading your story to not notice your mechanics. and You don't want them to notice that the reaction is rising. They just want them to be in it. You don't want them to notice your grammar. You want them just to just be enjoy the story. So the more they're noticing stuff... Uh, especially something like grammar. The really, they're they're very bored. It's like, well, you use a lot of prepositions at the end of your sentences. A lot of them.
1: <laughs> Shit. That means that, that that's all you've seen. That's all you've noticed. And and the thing is, is that prepositions
0: at the end of sentences is so. Common in our vernacular anymore that it shouldn't even be noticeable. So if you're noticing it, that means that there's nothing else going on. <laughs> like, this is so dull.
1: And you probably and you probably really should have put a blush job right about there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, put a whole job in here. I, I, that that would make this better. Although I I was I read something. I, I want to say I read something that was like. Close to 30k of sex out of 40k, and I would never have given the advice out of blowjob
1: <laughs> ever. Because I um,
0: yeah. Dial down this. Uh, you, I, mean, I'll, I mean, I couldn't even say dial down the sex because that was sort of the point. But I certainly
1: wouldn't have said dial up the sex. Yeah, right. You got plenty of sex here. Let's, let's um, let's give the vagina a break a little bit. Can we have some lunch? Talk. I think they need a meal break. <laughs> they can use some water. They're going to get dehydrated. <laughs> I'm feeling uh,
0: dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> um. No, 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 no. But okay, so you. Oh where i had a I had a train of thought and it it just it just vanished
1: sorry,
0: it just vanished. no, it
1: wasn't truthful. It it's was my own fault. My brain is
0: just like leaking like a sieve today um, okay, so you're gonna alpha read for somebody and you're going to um communication is really key um it's important to understand are you alphaing? early in the cycle are you kind of alpha reading an idea which is really more kind of giving feedback um that's sort of like working out their plot problems which as opposed to like really reading the story and like it's kind of the same skill set um but some people are better at at giving that kind of feedback when they've actually read the work and some people can do it really well just conceptually um some people don't conceptualize very well, or it's, it's 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 more difficult for them. So they hear the story, they hear the idea, and they're not really as good at pointing out at figuring out where the ripples and the plot problems are going to be until the story's actually written. So it's important to know where you are in that cycle. I think mean, Kara's really good at you just give her an idea, and she can help figure out. She's really good at spotting the the consequences of what you're planning to do. Not everybody has that skill. Some people need to actually be going with the character on the journey and seeing the ripples to find one and go, okay, this ripple didn't make sense or you didn't take this into account, whereas it's harder for them to do it just on the idea. It's harder for them to visualize all the ripples. Uh, And I would say most people are like that. Most people don't just hear an idea and understand what the consequences are. Way far out there are. So if you are tend if you're more of an alpha reader than a beta reader, but you're not good at conceptualizing problems just from hearing an idea, don't worry about it. You're in the majority. Most people don't um, see the far-reaching re- consequences of something that's just a concept. They usually need to kind of go through it, and which is why. Content editing is usually done on a finished product. Usually, I say usually. Um, there is some developmental editing with stories that are being worked out, but that's usually for authors who are like under contract to get a book out. And if they're having problems, an editor will work through that kind of stuff with them, but that's a completely different thing.
1: Professional environment, um, you may be called upon to to pitch live. In person or on the phone Um, and that kind of pressure environment can be a little harrowing so I if you're thinking about writing professionally I I highly recommend that you bounce with people and talk out your ideas and get really comfortable with um, explaining your premise verbally um whether you're a plotter or not i do think that my uh ability to find consequences comes from being a plotter uh and um but that's something that developed over many 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 years many i'm an old lady these days um but uh It was one of the most difficult moments of my life as a writer. Um, <laughs> my agent calls me and says, hey, your editor was so-and-so wants um, wants a new book, um, thought of you, you've got 15 minutes, um, and she's going to call you. I said, I don't have any ideas. And she said, you better get one, <laughs> and hung up. And so I'm sitting here at my desk. I've got fifteen minutes to come up with an idea and um I I had nothing. I, I had nothing. And so my editor calls and she says, Hey, you know, did your agent call? And I'm like, Yeah, she did and um I said, like, Okay, how about this? And then it just kinda filled of out of my mouth And she says, That's fantastic. Let me write all this down, and I'll call your agent back, and we'll get some contracts. And she hung up. I said, contracts? And that's when I realized I had pitched that bitch three books. And I didn't even <laughs> mean to. And so my agent called me back about an hour later. She said, you had no idea how'd you pitch three books. I said, I don't know. <laughs> Can you ask her to send me her notes? I don't even remember what I said. And she got so tickled. And about about 2 days later, I did get an email from the editor and she had copied all of her notes um into um a document and sent it to me.
0: <laughs> I was like <sighs> That's awesome.
1: I'm terrible but,
0: on the- I'm terrible explaining my work anyway, but I'd be awful on the fly
1: it was it was harrowing so um uh that was about fifteen years ago but um it you uh that was the kind of um that's where I cut my teeth and so I think a lot of times when it comes to um fandom you're actually learning skills that will be very beneficial to you if you ever um, move into the original fiction game, because um, being a fandom, you develop a really tough skin. You have to, because people are vicious. And um, once you've posted work on fanfiction.net for a year, getting comments from an editor will be like a walk in the park. <laughs> you won't even be like, Whatever. <laughs> You think that's when that German guy threatened to cut my head off? (laughs) I'm just saying. You know, it is is really night and day. I mean, you you know. (laughs) Oh, You know, Lady Holder, you keep saying shit like that, and one day I'm actually literally going to edit your work, and then we'll see how you feel. Send me your next beta. I am nice to you.
0: (laughs) Well, I I mean, when I bait it for somebody, I don't, unless it's like a consistency issue and consistency can be a lot of things, right? Like consistency could be a plot problem or, okay, well your character's eyes were a different color a little while ago or, you know, four pages ago, they hated peas and now they're eating peas. You know, consistency can touch a lot of things. Um, but unless somebody asks for alpha type feedback, I don't give it. So alpha feedback I would say is much harder to receive than um beta feedback. I don't that's why I don't give it unless it's asked for. But when I beta, if somebody has a plot hole, I'm gonna point it out, you know.
1: This isn't this is a this is a big giant plot hole. Did you mean to do this? yeah so the more frustrating experience uh, i ever had um as a uh as an alpha reader um in real life um just about i don't know maybe eight years ago when i was still doing it um and I, I I I hated this book. I have rarely ever hated a romance novel as much as I hated this romance novel. I wanted all the characters to die by chapter two. So, I read it. Because I said I would. And I sit down with a list of problems and I present them to her. And she, um, she said, oh, well, I knew all this. The, the why the fuck did you One have me read this drivel? What do you think of my characters? I said, well, your hero is an asshole. But I was gonna be nice until she told me she knew all the problems that I I'd identified. She didn't know those problems. She's a bitch. She, ugh, she just making shit up so she could look like she was smarter than she was. I hate that shit. Anyways, um, I'm a little bitter even now, right? So, yeah, I said your hero is an asshole. Your heroine is a dishrag. And I hate them both. Well, you're obviously not in a good position to read a romance novel. And then she picked up her book and and left. For the record, she has been trying to sell that book for ten years and has been rejected repeatedly because her hero is in fact an asshole. <laughs> I, I
0: hate working with the with authors who whatever you point out to them they already know. Okay, so if you knew this shit, why didn't you fix it before you gave it to me? Um I had some I had a few people in fan do that to me and for the most part I won't work with them again. Um because if they know all of it, if, it, it it's root, what you just said In your attempt to not take any blame or not be wrong about something, what you've just said is that you wasted my time and you submitted me, gave me something to work on that was incomplete. So you knew it had problems, but instead of fixing them, you sent them out for beta. That's what you're saying. Which makes
1: makes you a dick. Makes you a dick. So...
0: Just yeah. be gracious and it, say thank um, you,
1: even if you don't like what they have to say.
0: I think, you know, I will say that one of the things, I think
1: some, some things, that the term
0: beta can mean a lot of things because in in publishing, this is an old term um, that's been around in many industries. Like in the software industry, if you put something in beta, it means you basically think it's ready for prime time but you need some real real world users to bang on it for a while, who understand that it's a risk, that it may not quite be ready, um, and you're, you're you're double checking your beta period is making sure that you've ironed out all your kinks before you put your product up for, before you put it make it live or whatever, or you release it. Um, and but the thing is, even in that type of thing, you don't put up. Code that hasn't been tested. You know, you don't put up code that hasn't been run through um, various different types of unit testing, phase containment testing. There's all kinds of things that testing that software goes through before it goes into a beta period. Um, QA gets a hold of it, they try to break it. But it doesn't matter how good you do, nobody can break something like an end user. So, there's beta cut, that's kind of where the term one of the original term origins for it. So in the publishing world, um, they had this idea of beta readers too, which is we think this is ready to go. We want some people to read. it. We want kind of like a focus group or a reader group to look at this and tell us if it's ready, if they see problems. And beta-ing was not about beta reading was not about catching typos, although they could point that out. It was kind of like getting a, different group of people and different life experiences, backgrounds, read the book, tells that there's an issue. It was like a last stop before it went out. And it, that term has adapted tremendously in the fan fiction world. Because the beta reader still in the publishing
1: world does not mean what it means
0: in the fan fiction world.
1: No, when my first book went into beta, um, Uh, with the publisher, um, my editor told me, she says, okay, I've got about uh, ten people reading your book, and they all love it. And I'm like, are you serious? Really? They all love it? (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) Well, she's from New York. She said, no, I'm just blowing blowing air up your ass, or something like that. I'm like... (sighs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, I knew i know a writer who when he went through his last group of beta readers, they were almost I mean, they were harsh and he actually went back and had to make some last minute changes because of beta because of beta feedback. But it wasn't commas and stuff. Um, it was really there's i don't think there's really kind of any kind of uh parallel role for you know for that in fan fiction um fan fiction comes along and they kind of co-opted the term and they made it mean something different they made it mean line editor and well, beta really, reader somehow became and fan really became a line editor a copy editor and it, it really isn't the same thing so i think people get confused um
1: What you call it when a when a is it a um when in Hollywood when they have pilots and they have and they bring in us people to watch it what's that called focus group um a focus group that's really basically what a a a beta is in a professional house um but but before your book ever hits a professional like the 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 focus group um it's been read and discussed and pitched um throughout the company like so my agent would pitch a book to an editor that editor reads it she likes it she wants it she goes to the publishing team um, the managing editor or whatever position they have in the company for that and she says I've read this book I really like it a lot and now she's pitching my book on my behalf trying to sell it to her boss so you want an editor who really loves your work right to be pitching your book and so they read it and they say okay yes we're going to publish this and then it goes through a content edit if it needs one and um, I've never I've I've never actually had to have major content changes um, in that stage um, because by the time a book gets to my editor it's a fourth or a fifth draft right so they're not um, at least when I used to do print um, they didn't see they didn't see the shit that they didn't need to see (laughs) Um, And then it would go into um, line editing, and then it would go into – there would be a copy, edit, and a proof. And at the proof stage is when most of the time the focus group would happen. Because the proof is the final product, basically. And so a focus group in a publishing house, um, they're looking at – the overall content, um, readability, the look of it, the feel. Um, so they're evaluating your book as a product. This is what we're going to be selling. Which is definitely not and what the happens last, in fandom.
0: All right, and the last thing you want is to, is to fail that focus group. But some things that come out of it, like you could get a mile. They're they're usually, I mean, the times I've been involved in beta reading, there's usually a mock-up of the cover, but not the actual art. It's not actually finished yet. um, And you give feedback. And so sometimes there's maybe cover change based upon the feedback of the beta group. Um, But I mean, the last thing you want is to actually have to go back and make content changes, but it does happen it does happen that they see that your group sees something um, very different from what the editing team had seen. But then I would think, I mean, I don't know what it would go like from that other side, but I would imagine if they have to make a content change after there'd be a postmortem with the editing team about how did we miss this? Right. Um, but in general, is to make sure that you are ready to put this. And the thing is, they might notice a beta group might actually notice some last minute typos, like you, know, you use the wrong word here or whatever. Um, and those things are easy to fix because the book hasn't been printed, really, not really printed yet. And then they no. get all that last minute feedback, and they go and they put it, and then they publish it. And they're certain, as certain as they can be, that that product is ready for um, the mass market to get a hold of it. And That they're not going to. So it's kind of like it was was like the last sanity check before um, it went out. Now, I think people who were in public, who had had books published professionally, come over to fan fiction and they co opt the term beta and they literally meant it the way it was used in publishing. Give this a once over before I put it up and make sure it's not got glaring problems. Well, then you get a bunch of amateur writers using but not not understanding terms and i'm not saying we should use the term differently i'm saying the term has evolved such that in fan fiction a beta is something completely different than it is in the publishing world and it probably was not an intentional thing it just is an evolution as amateur writers go i need a beta reader and make sure this is ready and their work is rife with problems and then that the beta reader suddenly is acting as a line editor so words evolve; they have different meanings in different contexts. But it, when you have two very similar pe- streams, you've got original fiction and you've got fan fiction. But they're they're close together. They're both about writing stories, and the term means something completely different. Um, now, some writers may actually use beta um, in fan fiction more like like they do, like, I'm sure Kira's intention with a beta reader is that she's passing it off as good as it can be, um,
1: right I'm done with it, fix my and she's pretty solid she's pretty, <laughs> yeah, she's
0: pretty solid with, I mean, she says she's grammar and punctuation and her strengths, but she's good enough that she actually could go without line editing um,
1: well, this is ugly and arrogant, but I'm gonna say it I, I have encountered beta work on various sites. My rough draft is better than that. <laughs> complete yeah. with all the misspellings. And I'm like, who's beta in your shit? I don't think they're you beta. Sure they're for beta. You smart? I think they're just reading your stuff in advance. I feel like you're not getting the full benefit of a beta relationship. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> yeah, there's something yeah, something up there. I mean there's I tried reading a story once by an author, and I checked some of, the, some of the works, and they had the same kind of issues. It was Some some issues I can overlook, and sometimes we all have different thresholds for things. Some things I can't get past. So I don't know what their writing is like. I just kind of go, no, I can't get past these formatting problems. I can't get past this level of um, glaringly misplaced commas. I'm fine with missing commas, folks, but you put too many commas in front of the word that, and I can't read it. It just, I can't it is a rare 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 situation i mean it's a very rare corner case where you would ever have a comma in front of the word that so you know when i see commas um in the in front of restrictive clauses i just those those kind of misplaced commas i i get like an all over body twitch you can't deal Honestly, people can overlook it but it's very difficult for me anyway so um all of her stories credit the same Beta, and they say you know things like you know more comments like you know thanks to so and so who makes my work readable, and I'm like oh my
1: god this is the real
0: not readable for me. <laughs> I don't anyway, even
1: want to fucking see what it was before.
0: So later on, you know, months later, this this beta, um, uh uh-huh. this beta um, offers to beta for me. And I'm like, all those, were those shitty? I'm sitting there thinking about all those shitty commas. And I'm like, were those shitty commas put there by this beta, Uh, which would make them a terrible, terrible beta reader? Uh, Were these, were those commas not noticed by this beta, which could make them like a lot of people who aren't good with commas? Do I want to take this chance? No,
1: no. you see, I'd have been things. like, yeah, sure, here, beta this, I because I would have wanted to see if it was her or if it was just the author just doing whatever the fuck they wanted to. Now, now see, I didn't think of that. I just kind of had this, like, internal,
0: like, whoa. Uh. I could have had an opportunity there to write back and go, why are you putting commas in front of restrictive clauses? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I've would been super curious. I'd be like, "Here, edit this short for me." <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, do this. It'd be great to know. Uh, let's see if we work and work together.
0: I did so I did an alpha I did an alpha read for somebody after they had had their story beta read. And I was alpha reading. Um, I knew it was a new beta for them, and so they were leaving the beta comments and stuff in. And um, um, and they wanted my opinion about the I think about the beta readers' editing skills or whatever. So I'm doing the alpha read, and um, I basically wrote it back. I said I agree with a lot of the stuff she said, but ignore anything she ever tells you about commas. Anything. <laughs> do not know. Just, there were a few times that she was right, but she was wrong so much that it's safer to just ignore her on commas altogether. <laughs> just don't. No. Oh, okay. So we were talking about know what you can, what you can do when you are a Segue perfectly. Know what you can do when you're an alpha reader and be sure you can articulate what your strengths are and what you aren't able to do. The same thing applies to the beta. You don't have to be able to do everything to beta for somebody. You really don't have to, but you need to know what you're good at. So if you're good at commas between compound sentences, great. If you're good at spotting, you know, I mean, know what kind, if you're good at certain kinds of commas and not others, then know which kinds you're good at. If you're good with um grammar but not punctuation know that know where what you're good at and be able to tell the person because if you're if their needs and your skills are a mismatch it's just a big time waste for everybody
1: also I think it's important to know your skills as a writer versus your skills as a beta. I am very careful, um, as a beta, uh not to step on people's voices. Uh for instance Lady Holder has a very distinct writer's voice. Um she uh she she has a very distinct um rhythm to her words. And even to her conversation in person, if you notice, if you listen to her talk into a podcast, uh, she has a very, uh, very interesting and very unique rhythm that it shows up in her author voice. And so um, you have to be careful when you're editing someone who has a very distinct voice different from your own. And we have very distinct voices, um, which made writing together really interesting and um, melding that together I think it worked pretty well, but we have very different styles when it comes to pr- putting something together. So <laughs> but uh, so you have to be caref- uh, very careful when you're in the beta process not to step on a writer's voice. Um, and that can be difficult if you don't have a very good grasp of your own voice, especially if you're a writer. Um if you're not a writer but just someone who has, you know, who has a degree in English or a degree in technical um, writing or you're not a fiction writer um, and you have a degree in technical writing and you're offering debate up for grammar, um, be careful with it. Because uh, especially when it comes to dialogue uh, and um, pacing, because sometimes y- you could change the perspective of a sentence punctuation. Mm-hmm. And you can change a character's motivations with a word.
0: You could make something Good from being a compliment to being a snarky um, and entitled with one um, with one extra adjective. adjective.
1: So that was great. Yeah, that was surprisingly great.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you see the difference?
0: Yeah, I mean, you just you got you've got to you got to be careful when you're when you're editing somebody. Um, It's funny because, like, sometimes I mean, a lot of times when I'm editing, I. It it, it kind of depends. depends. You kind of got to walk the line. The editing takes a lot longer when you stop to explain everything you're doing. So if you're putting in a lot of comments. So if there's a lot of edits and you're commenting on most of your edits, it can take a a long edit and make it an an interminable edit if you're trying to explain. Um, So in general, I sort of stop for the most part explaining if it's basic Spelling, punctuation, grammar—I typically don't explain um, what I'm doing and why. I just put the change in, and then the editor, the writer, whoever it is, can accept it or move on. Um, but sometimes I, I think it's probably not obvious why, uh, like something that's not spelling or grammar. Um, why i'm making changes suggesting changes whatever and and so i will stop and explain this is why i'm doing what i'm doing because it can look like you're trying to stomp on their voice if you are restructuring a bunch of sentences in a row and so if you just put a comment in that says you know your cadence was very choppy you had like a bunch of five-word sentences and it was super choppy so that's why we're merging some sentences or breaking them up and trying to get a little bit variability in length um so that you're not stopping on their something doesn't feel like you're trying to change them but you're just pointing out the cadence here is really choppy although these days i would just tell them your cadence is really choppy right here read this out loud it, it sounds very stilted um but you know sometimes uh like somebody will use the word he at the start of a sentence, he or I or she or whichever pronoun fits, they'll use it like 15 sentences in a row, at the start of the sentence. Well, that is, becomes really noticeable and that becomes its own kind of monotony. Um, so so you if you of, ever get a beta
1: if, back from Jillie and she's highlighted one word 200 times, and she didn't leave you a note about it. It's because she thinks she used it too much. <laughs> yes. And if you find 200 highlights, you better believe you used it too much.
0: <laughs> like, I, see, I did that to Kira once and didn't explain it. And I usually explain to people why I'm highlighting stuff. I did
1: not I'm tired. She didn't exactly like did. So, I've I've had editors do that to me. So that's something that I would expect to see. I'll go, oh yeah. Okay. I see. It. I, I get it.
0: But I'll also do it with um, like the same, like if, if somebody uses a word that is unusual, like Utra or something, I did work on something recently. The person used Utra I think like four times. Um, if it's not 300,000 words, you get to use Utra once. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's too ultra to use over and over. Um, So, yeah. So save it.
1: Save it till you really need it.
0: it, But also sometimes, like, if if somebody, like, ends multiple sentences in a short space or short space with, like, the same word or the same phrase, it's weird the things that will jump out to a reader. Um, So I'll see that, and I'll just highlight, you know, and if they're close together, you know, it's like, change something so this isn't so monotonous. Because monotony can step in can come in really quickly um the people are surprisingly sensitive to rhythm and cadence in in stories so um but I would worry about that more with professional work so there's some people that I beta for where, where I'll be like really focused on that kind of stuff because they don't give me much else to do so if I'm you know if I'm having to insert ten thousand commas and take ten thousand others out, I'm not worrying as much about your cadence. <laughs> because we're we're at the structural problem level, um, so I don't know. It's a it's a thing. You can't hit you know novice writers with everything. It would be overwhelming.
1: I think that um, if if you are new to the whole process, when you go into it, keep your mind open and um, leave yourself open to learn because I think the most valuable experience um, in in that whole process is what you learn coming out of an edit because what you learn here, you can use for your next project. So, All of it's valuable. Unless, of course, your beta or your alpha is a douche. And if you aren't sure, you can reach out. (laughs) Yeah, we will let you know.
0: If you're not sure if somebody's being a douchebag, just, you know, you can sanity check it with us. We'll let you know if they're being a douche. Because somebody giving you feedback you didn't want to hear doesn't mean they're being a douche. It just means maybe you didn't want to hear it. Um, but if you've asked for a beta read and somebody comes in and starts telling you that dragons are stupid, um, they're being a douche. If, you're, if, if you told them your story, it's a true story here, folks. If you tell if you tell them your stories about dragons and they come back, you know, as part of their beta feedback is that dragons are dumb and the whole thing is too implausible. It's like, why the hell did you agree to beta this? I don't understand. That is douchebaggery. Okay. But um, if they just, if you just don't like, you know, if somebody comes back and there's some pacing issues here, it gets a little bit slow, it gets, you know, you kind of come of interest. It's valuable feedback to know when somebody's interest is wandering from your story. There's too much exposition about candle making here. Um, so, if you don't want to hear that kind of feedback, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't have asked for alpha or beta feedback or whatever you got. I would say being a beta shouldn't be stressful. Um, beta reading should be very straightforward. Um, I didn't want to alpha read for a long time because I got tired of people not wanting to hear. They, did, they didn't really actually want to hear that they were had an issue. Um, they just wanted their, to be told, they were great. And they were asking for the feedback at some sort of, Fandom checkbox. I don't know. Um. <laughs> like I got this alpha read. It was like, uh, you know, you just wanted me to parrot your opinion back to you. That's not alpha reading. So I've had, and the thing is, I think that from my side, when I asked for help, alpha, the mistakes I've made as, a, as an author have been being unclear about what I needed. Because um, I've had alphas where I got back the information that was completely not useful to me, um, and and that was a, that was I, I took that on me. It wasn't about them. It wasn't their fault that I didn't explain what I needed very well. Um, because like I I think I think one time I said that I I had I had was concerned there was a problem, but I didn't specify. Anything else I was was a problem and i and I wanted to get a perspective and somebody volunteered to alpha read for me and basically I got back a, a, a reader opinion about the thing. It wasn't any kind of focus on what was wrong it was just um oh i really this is the, it was a list of things they liked, which was nice but this was you know so like I said it was reader feedback, it was things that they liked, and a list of things they were curious about and and things that they felt like were open issues and I'm like. <sighs> so you want a sequel. <laughs> With their, feed, their feedback distilled down to, I enjoyed this, I want a sequel, is how I interpreted it. And I went,
1: but that's nothing not really about what, where the, huh? That that wasn't what you needed.
0: Oh. No, it wasn't. But I didn't, that's all I said, I think there's a problem here. Could you read this and let me know what you think?
1: And they let me know what they thought, but I
0: didn't specify, I, I didn't get specific about, You know exactly what I was looking for in Alpha Read, Um, and I've had that happen a few times where lack of specificity on my part resulted in um, me getting back Alpha feedback that, and I mean, I felt bad about it because it was like, well, I just wasted all of our time. But there have also been times when I have asked for Alpha feedback, and the person I think is not capable of giving me. giving me the feedback I'm asking for. So, um yeah, um as they're talking about like people giving deadlines on betas. I mean, that deadlines is something you do have to negotiate with beta. Um, I've had writers disappear with I mean, I agreed to beta for somebody once and they completely forgot about it. And the author didn't want to poke me, but I had forgotten. <laughs> so, was like, it me?
1: 3 months? Late,
0: no, no. It actually, I think I no, one time you. it was, that did happen once and you did eventually poke me and I, I thought, but in that case, in that case, I think that was a hold in my coffee. I thought you were still working on it, but you had sent the file back to me and I hadn't seen the file.
1: Um, <laughs> and you said, uh, we we I would say I got a, a, a deadline that might be necessary. It's like, if you're getting a, you know, for, for the bang and like, okay, I need to have the, I need to have the. Finished product in on this date, so I need the beta back by this date. You know, and that's different. And the thing
0: is, if you if, if you have a deadline as an author, you need to factor that into your cycle because you can't turn over, let's say, 150k to somebody and say I need this in a week. I mean, that that's something a professional editor might be able to do. And I only I say might because 150k in a week is is a
1: lot. Um what I would suggest but, if you have a big edit like that is that you have more than one beta and um you ask them to beta by chapter. Like say I'm gonna years. like like say for instance it was me and I had um I don't know, say I have thirty chapters, I might ask Lady Holder to do the first fifteen and Julie to do the last fifteen. If I was on a hard deadline. You know, yeah. or one of the things
0: you can do to speed things up with beta, it, the by chapter thing is um, is to literally give it out a couple chapters at a time. Because getting if you get back, let's say let's say I send out 15k to beta out of 150k, and I get it back quickly, and I send them out chapters like three chapter increments as soon as I get them back. I can be working on the feedback while they're working because it's not just them doing one hundred and fifty k beta it's me incorporating one hundred and fifty k beta feedback right it's like what so if it's got a big work um, and if I had multiple betas on a big work, I might send it out to beta one and then send it to send that same two, three chapters to beta 2 while beta 1 gets three new chapters and then when beta 2 finishes with the first three chapters i incorporate all that feedback and it becomes like a machine but you have to figure that time in and you've got to be sure to give your betas enough time to work if you're on if you're on a deadline and you have to be sure you disclose the deadline and if they can't agree to the deadline then you just need to go find another beta, no hard feelings because, you know, normally you don't give betas deadlines. Although I usually don't say give deadlines, but, you know, I usually try to get some kind of guidance, like, you know, I want to, you know, you know, can we get this wrapped within, it's 10K, can you try to do it within the next three weeks, you know, because if you don't have some expectation, if there's no expectations discussed, You don't know when to poke them. And I do think you're right, Claire, that it was you that I agreed to beta for her and I forgot the story completely. (laughs) And then when I remembered, I was like, oh, shit. And she didn't want to poke me because she didn't want to, like, is it rude to poke a beta? You know, like, what's the etiquette here? Um, And I completely forgotten. So, I mean, I jumped on it and did it, and once I started working on it, I mean, I really enjoyed I think I think that one, as I recall, that one went really quickly once I started working on it because I was enjoying it, and a lot of times it does go quicker when you're enjoying the story you're working on. Um, But it just, i would forgotten completely, and she didn't want to poke me, and so that's why it's good to have some kind of discussion. It, it, people can be very touchy, um, but they get busy, and... um. Okay, she said that again, she said I did seventy K in three days once I started working on it. Um that's actually really fast for me. I will say that's really fast for me. But it was a really good story. Um That I thought that was Lightning Touch, right? I think it was Lightning Touch that I was working on for you. Um anyway, it was um so it was just it was just absent meeting absent minded and I forgot to I've forgotten I'd agreed. to it and like I should keep a list of projects I'm supposed to be working on because I do forget stuff that's, like, not in my normal normal workday. Um, so, but it's just, it's important, and that, that seems to be one of the, the discussion about timing and poking people is, seems to be, like, one of the most, like, sensitive topics around alpha and invading reading is because people like, well, is it rude to ask, you know, or either that or the other extreme where people are imposing ridiculous deadlines. You know, like I need this back in three days. And it's like, uh, I can't, I can't even start on it for three days. Are you kidding? Um, because sometimes my schedule is like that. It's like, yes, I can beta for you next week. And I know I can't do it till next week. So, it's like people in fandom forget that people have lives or something that they might have other things they might need to be doing. And yes, sometimes other things I might need to be doing is playing pool. Because if I've had a long day of decision making or a long day of editing, the last thing I'm going to do is sit down and beta read.
1: So, the last thing you want me to do is sit down and beta read if I've had a really long, fucked up day because I'm going to be an asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, I get to the point stuff. that you'll have I notes to the in the market saying, you know what, you just let rocks fall right here and kill all your characters because they suck. That's that. I, I get to the point that I can't see mistakes
0: if I've been editing for a while. So if I've yeah. been editing for uh, you just you just stop seeing it. Um, especially it's so like sometimes it can be that and it depends upon the 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 error rate. Like if an error rate is really high I might go a half hour. Like I'm talking really high, like an error every five words or something like that. It could be like in a half hour, I stop seeing the mistakes because I'm seeing them. So there's so ha- so much that I'm becoming inured to them. But usually it's more like in the two to four hour range. Well, the thing is if I've had a day where I've been doing a bunch of editing, like I'll t- do edit for two hours, take a break, come back at two hours and I sit down and go, well, can you beta this for me? I'm like, not till the other thing i'm doing is finished so you know it it things need to be scheduled have to be worked out and that's something that people have to be sensitive to but you also have to be able to communicate is
1: well, so what what um, i would do is i would when you in the conversation when you're asking okay what do you need um tell them what you need give them an idea of when you need it ask if that's workable, and then ask them when you can poke them. (laughs) Is it okay if I poke you in three weeks for this, to make sure you haven't forgotten me? I don't think that's out of line, and if they do think that's out of line... they might not be someone you want to work with because I don't think it's unreasonable for you to ask when, you know, when do you have time for me? And do I need to build in a poking date on my calendar?
0: <laughs> it's, not, it's not unreasonable. And any time I have ever forgotten about, and it's happened more than once forgotten about an alpha read, a beta read. Um, there's, there's something else I did for somebody once that i would forgotten about. Um, Oh, I was I was I was somebody borrowed some stuff that I had written um sort of so I'd love to borrow some world building that I had done for something else and i promised to send them my my plot notes so that they would understand and I forgot. But people like not poking me. So, but I never mind people following up. I don't want to be harassed on a daily basis, but if I have like dropped out of sight or they haven't heard, I don't I've never minded people saying how's it going on this. So, um and it's usually released relief because I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I forgot that. Let me go take care of it. But, you know, I just go, hey, I'm 45 now. The brain is not what it used to be. <laughs> I'll make a note this time. But I think it, it, if somebody does get bitchy about being poked, then you don't want to work with that person. If you're If you're being reasonable and they're not, there's no point in taking the blame on that in yourself. I had a beta – I had emergence. I I was coming back into writing in fandom and I didn't have any betas then. And so I went through trying to find betas and it was really difficult and it was a big work. So I knew it was going to be, I may not have betas all the way through the end, um, the whole project. Uh, but one beta just, I never heard from them for like the longest time. Like everybody else had, I think I had two betas who went, maybe three who went all the way to the end of that one. Two, two. Um, and, but one of, there was somebody else who had, who had offered to beta and I never heard from them. So the other two had finished and I'm like, you know, you know, figuratively and literally checking my watch going, okay, it's been now months. And so I, I finally thought like I needed to poke them and say, well, what's going on? And they said, oh, I enjoyed the story, but I decided not to do the beta.
1: <laughs> I was like, nice. Thank you for letting uh, me know. You couldn't
0: have told me that. I mean, I felt okay with the story as it was at that point. So I. I wasn't heartbroken, but I mean, I'm, I'm held up. I wasn't publishing because I thought that they were beta reading and I didn't want, I mean, I think to me, that's like the rudest thing I can imagine is that I'm beta reading somebody's story and they start publishing it before I have sent them my beta back. <laughs> I would be like, what is going on? Um, so but they had just decided not to do it and didn't tell me, and I was worried about upsetting them by asking them, you know, because it's a big story. It's like what two hundred ten thousand words, and I was worried about upsetting them or rushing them on a on a huge, an epic project like that. So I didn't say anything, and they just weren't doing it. That's ugly. Oh. I
1: just rude. If I had started post, if I
0: had started posting it, and they had. Um, I mean I've done that one time but my beta knew about it ahead of time which was that my beta and we had worked out a schedule in advance on betaing something and the beta for that project was um, she became suddenly unavailable and it was I had a hard deadline on the story and so I just said well I would rather you would be do the beta but I'm going to go ahead and post my final draft and I will update it um, it was for a challenge, and I will update the the copy with your beta comment, your beta feedback later, which was a risk, and I don't like doing it, but it was just it was an unexpected circumstance, and so that's how we worked it out rather than me trying to find a beta for a story at the last minute. So, um, but I actually don't get too twitchy about um, posting my own work unbated It doesn't actually bother me. Um, it's just that challenge oper- you know, people who run challenges have rules that sometimes that you have to have a beta. I guess I could use like one of my professional editing names, <laughs> as my beta reader.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Technically, I, it would still this, be true. It wouldn't be a lie. It
0: would be true.
1: <laughs> I, I beta read it myself. But... I actually updated a I posted um Gravity on my site without a beta. Um it's probably the longest work I've posted without a beta outside of Rough Trade or, you know, um sneak peeks in a very long time. Um, I did my I did my spell check, I did my, my grammarly and then I did two read throughs. But I had not read it since July, so I feel like it's pretty clean. I have never seen errors. And usually when I um immediately after I post it I find two or three errors. <laughs> yeah. I find there's something
0: different in how I read something uh in the way it's something the way web browsers format differently. Spacing. Something is different. I can look at it in Word and I won't see the mistake. The minute it's up on the web I go, Oh, Oh look oh, at no.
1: that. There it is. There it is.
0: Look at that. Motherfucker.
1: Edit. But I'm actually sitting here <laughs> really impressed.
0: I a A, I didn't know you'd post anything. I was offline all weekend. So I'm very excited to go read the final draft of that. But the final the final not draft, the final version of the story. Um but I'm just sitting here like all impressed that you that you posted it without getting it beta read. I've been yeah, pondering was- doing that lately.
1: Well, the thing is, is that, you know, um, we're all in the midst of quantum bang. Um, I didn't want to infringe on Lady Holder's writing time because she's not getting a lot of it. Uh, You were doing your thing and also in your writing time. And so I was like, you know what, I'm not going to have time to do to even beta these things anyway, because I've got a hundred and fifty k right here. I'm still plotting for my damn nano. I'm just gonna post it. <laughs> so I did, yeah. and I'm gonna post um, flight uh, tomorrow or, or maybe the next day. I even did my own. Um, I did. Uh, uh, <laughs> Lady holders poking me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It is relaxing for you to beta, but then I have to actually do the beta. <laughs> I'll I'll let you bait a flight, how about that? Um but I um I did my own section breaks for uh I did uh I did those stories in three parts. So I have my own little um I made my own little art for the um parts. Oh nice. <sighs> yeah. I mean there are times I've been thinking
0: about lately like like stepping out on that ledge of not posting fanfiction beta-red. and I would I would Put up, not beta red. Um, not because, I mean, the thing is, I've been lucky with the fact that I have very fast betas, so it's not like I've ever had to, they're fast, um, they're responsive. I, I'm friends with all the betas I have now, so, um, you know, if I did have to poke them, they wouldn't, like, get mad at me. They don't say horrible things to me in comments. So it's not the betas that are the issue. It's just that extra step. That sometimes feel like a it feels like a barrier to getting a story finished, and sometimes I just don't want an extra
1: step. Well, I'm so, so. I have so much going on, right? Because I have, um, I mean, I'm trying to plot my my November, and I did my um, my I have a new notebook. I got a new notebook out, and I did my. Um, Word association. I made my character list. I, um, I did a big SGA timeline, which I shared with you on Messenger. Did you get that? And I I'm doing felt, some like, crowd plotting. I, some context. I was like, what is this? Well, but I had, had actually done this big episode timeline. I thought, well, I'll just share it with you guys. It's full of snarky ass commentary. Um, but I listed all of the episodes and what happened in them and the date, basically, that they happened, um, or, the, or the the months that they happened, um, or the, at least the months they were aired. Uh, and um, I posted some really, uh, it was a really vicious commentary <laughs> about some of the episodes. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes when you have a lot going on, just coordinating with another person is just, um, it just feels like, and I don't, there's probably somebody that's going to take this arrogantly but as being an arrogant statement, but I don't mean it arrogantly. I just, I don't know that I feel like I need to go through beta all the time, Um
1: so the the time of when gravity I, came out pretty, um, pretty clean. Um, if I decide so myself, I would, <laughs> I would not be surprised at all because I mean your writing's pretty clean anyway. So, um,
0: especially I mean, when it's, the times when I feel like I most need a beta is something that is hot off the presses, because if it's um something I basically have finished, all I've done is is write it, do my rough draft, and do my first draft my you know do a do a final draft then my if I've done rough draft second draft and that's kind of it and then you know spell checked it and stuff and send it off to beta even if I've reread it twice I, there's tons of stuff I'm not seeing because I, I I know what it's supposed to say and so the words that are missing or the words that are wrong they don't register because my brain is supplying what's supposed to right be there. um so that's when I most need a beta uh stuff something i wrote 3 months ago or 2 years ago or even a month ago I, if i reread that myself i odds are i'm going to catch more of the problems than than most of most beta readers and i don't mean my beta specifically but beta readers in general uh, because this is what i that's what i do is edit shit so <laughs> um if i can't take one of my own works from 2 years ago and edit it more cleanly than um
1: yeah, I mean, most you know, people, I think that I need to find three months—it was like ju- July. Uh, yeah, it's been since July, right? So, um, and my rough draft isn't terrible anyway. Feel really comfortable um, finding my own mistakes for the most part. And I was like, I'm just. Uh, sometimes beta can just be really. I don't look forward to the beta for my Big Bang. Can I just say that? <laughs> you can I'm finished writing it. I'm 88K in, and I am not looking forward to it. Lady Holder is. I hope to entertain you greatly. I, I have a character Dana. in my story who, um, I don't know why it, I mean, I don't know why I think this about this character, but I think this character um in particular uh views sex very differently than most of the characters that I normally write so he's very blunt about it you know and um the first time i wrote uh him basically uh you know there there's a line where he, where he says i want to fuck and I have never had a character I've never I used I've never used that particular phrase with a character in relation to sex in that explicit way. And I was like, Really? <laughs> is, is, is that what I wrote there? Do I need to take that out? And then I read it again I'm like, Yeah, no, that's that's that that's what he's that's definitely what he would say. That's exactly how he would say it. And so, yeah, I've I've got that going on and um it's yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes but you know i'll be like but yeah i think, I think
0: mostly most mostly when my stuff goes through beta i what i get back are typos that people have caught mm-hmm. and the ocd in me loves that but that is the majority <laughs> of the, that is the majority of the feedback that i get back it's is typos people caught, which is things that I just am not seeing because I know what it's supposed to say. And that is the number one reason why I even do beta is to catch typos, things that are not misspelled, but it's just wrong word order for me. Not, a lot of times it's wrong word order, or I have this crazy habit of leaving articles out. I'll drop articles when I write, um, yeah. or use the wrong article and I don't just don't see it when I reread it. So that those are all typos, you know, um, They're not misspelling. Nothing's going to catch that except somebody doing a final read-through. And I love that my betas catch that, but it's rare that I get corrected on punctuation or grammar or something like that. It's rare. It's mostly typo catching. So um, because of the typo factor, I really prefer to put my work through beta. But if a story has been around for three months or more, I can catch those typos. It's when it's fresh that I don't see it. So, um, I'm very grateful for my betas and the work that they do for me, but sometimes it does feel like a barrier to finishing or as opposed to, it feels to like something work. to do. It feels like more work. And sometimes I just don't want to do it. So Um Ellie asks if she's the only uh, one who starts leaving off who's speaking when it gets dialogue heavy. Um, no. Um because alternating dialogue, a lot of times you don't need to specify who's speaking if it's really clear and the voice of the characters are are clear. But um, it can there also is a be line. common. To, yeah, That's there's a, a very line. Fine line. You know, there are things you can do to make sure it's always clear. Like you've got to be sure your action beats stay with the character who's speaking. Because a, a, an action beat or a descriptive beat can convey who's speaking just like a dialogue tag would be and that's like going um, so instead of saying um, I don't want you to do that Tony needed the dough even more firmly I mean that when you put Tony's action beat with the line of dialogue you don't need to say Tony said because the action beat conveys that it's Tony Uh, what people where people screw up is they put like you know Elliot's action beat in Tony's dialogue and that's why it gets confusing is because the beats are not not with the right speaker so but yeah the other thing is sometimes when you're writing dialogue one of the tips to get through it like a really long scene is to just write it and go back and edit in the beats and the the dialogue tags later um, so that actually could be – that actually is a technique a lot of writers will use to get through is to skip, not even worry about it. It's just get the meat of the discussion done and then edit in the beats and the, um,
1: the I tend tag, to do so. that with um, arguments. Yeah. And um, I don't even know I'm doing it. I don't even recognize that I'm doing it until after I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh, well, shit, I don't have any damn dialogue tags in this. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what who's saying what, but sometimes you, I, you might end up confusing the fuck out of your readers, especially if the dialogue goes on for you know several pages, and they have to go back up to the very top, where the conversation started to figure out who's speaking when, um, or when you have characters speaking yeah. over each other, or multiple paragraphs. So, but yeah, it's really easy to do when you're in... Um, Things that are high emotional content. That at least that's what I do it.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, there's a writer who writes almost all dialogue. I mean, very little narrative at all. Um, and not only does she not do narrative, but she doesn't do really do a lot of beats or or dialogue tags. And so there are times when, like some of you, this story of hers is so great. Actually, I have a hard time reading um, this writer because I find just the lack of context for anything to be difficult. But people will tell me this one's really great, so I'll go try to read it, and I'll find myself counting. It's like, okay, Tony Gibbs, Tony Gibbs, Tony Gibbs, Tony Gibbs. Okay, Tony. Right?
1: (laughs) Why you want to like print it out, put little T's and G's by shit, so you'll know who's talking?
0: And that's not – that's never, ever the goal. So that's where it can be also very helpful. That's something a beta can – that's something I often do with people in beta is I'll just put a comment over say, I can't tell who's speaking. And even if I know, even if I happen to know who said it, if it's not clear, I'll still put in, it's not clear who's speaking. It's not clear who's speaking. Um,
1: I'll do a call and say, add dialogue tag. (laughs)
0: Dialogue tag. But you know, when things a lot of times when things get intense, you do you'll get through, and you, the intensity of the conversation actually might flow better if you don't stop to put in tags and beats and stuff. So just go with it, but be prepared to go back and fix your shit. <laughs> That's the important part. Um, so
1: just recognize yeah. that your draft is your draft. Even if you're in, um, even if you're in rough trade, you don't owe anybody any kind of explanations about how your draft is going or how it's constructed, or your mistakes. You don't owe anybody any explanations whatsoever. No. Because that's not what rough trade's I, about.
0: I know this writer who writes it. There are a lot of different ways to do a draft zero. I don't do the draft zero thing personally. Um, a zero draft is not even really a draft. It is something that no one but the writer would ever see because it's like some sort of it, – every. it's a little bit different for every writer I've ever heard that does a draft zero. Um, but it's not uncommon for pantsers to do a draft zero, people who are diehard pantsers, um, to work out their plot problems. It's how they work them out is in a draft zero. But her draft zero is basically – um, little summaries of what happened and then the dialogue with no tags or anything. And then another little summary of what happened and then a bunch of dialogue. And a
1: little summary of what happened I'm, and then a bunch of that, dialogue. That's hurting my feelings. Yeah, I don't it's know why. Not, it's,
0: not a, it's not a way that I can write, but it works for her. Um, and she then goes in and the meat of her stories is, she, you know, she's she's a character driven writer and character interaction driven. So she jumps from scene to scene, which where characters are interacting, there's not a lot of action sequences in her work. Um, And then she fills in the narration around just a bunch of dialogue, and it works for her. That's her draft zero. And so she might have, let's say, a 100-page story, and her draft zero is 50 pages. Now that's way off of the way. Like my rough draft is pretty. If it's my rough draft is a hundred pages, it's probably going to be a hundred and ten in the, in the end game. If 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 not a hundred and five, because I I usually don't add a lot to my rough draft. But she'll double in size.
1: My I rarely do a, a, a draft zero. Um. I think the closest one I've ever come to um, in fandom that people saw um, would be when Chris and Lady Holder got the very first, um, the, the skeleton structure of No Enemy Within. <laughs> I would say that's pretty close to a zero draft. But in the past, my zero drafts were basically synopsises. Well, and some people write a synopsis that's so
0: detailed. Like if you get a 15-page synopsis from somebody, that's probably a draft zero.
1: I used to do I, I used to do synopsis like that. But um not anymore because I don't write on spec anymore, so the writing on spec made me um crazy. Not literally crazy. I wasn't committed, but it wa it, 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 it did give me an ulcer. <laughs> I mean,
0: some people people find ways to get through their process, right? And if what somebody really loves to write is dialogue, you can't just sell a bunch of dialogue. You're gonna to have to do more, but if it gets her through her what that what called the zero draft is just writing all the dialogue with some notes about what's gonna happen
1: in between those scenes and then that's her, her, that's her process that's that's how she does yeah. it. everybody's process should fit them. Yeah,
0: and that that's an example of you. You got to find a process that fits you. And if you if your process has you getting really intense in a scene, and you tend to drop your dialogue tags when that's happening, that's part of your process. And part of your process needs to be going back and editing in those dialogue tags (laughs) or action beats, whichever. Um, for me, one of the things like when I'm editing somebody who says who uses a dialogue tag and an action beat together. I'll strip the dialogue tag out because um, it isn't necessary. It's I, redundant. How, how you doing tonight? He asked, he pulled off his sweater and lay down on his bed. Totally redundant to say he asked when you're,
1: when he has an action
0: that would clearly indicate who's speaking. Um, and so, you have
1: a question mark in the sentence. Right. So it's just,
0: it's not, you know, so when I see and when I see that that's that's, a, so that's an editing thing though. It's like a if I see a dialogue tag and an action beat or descriptive beat on to, right on top of each other that are basically functioning as a redundancy, um I'm going to take the dialogue tag out because you don't need it. But if some that's if somebody's process, if their draft process is about putting that redundancy in, fine, whatever gets you that rough draft done or your final draft and then part of your process is also to go in and strip out your redundancies
1: i guess what i would say um like going into the beta process is that um acknowledging that your work's not perfect um and that you know honestly perfection is impossible um and um being gracious on both sides of i know being gracious on both sides of um the issue is super important, um, and but don't tolerate abuse. And if someone um, mistreats you, you don't have to accept it. You don't have to be gracious about it, and you don't have to forgive them later. <laughs> no. And if if
0: you are if it's within the context of the quantum bang, and you're alphaing or betaing or working with an alpha or a beta, and you need an opinion. Or a, should this be asked of me? If you're if you're being asked to do something as an alpha or beta and you're wondering if it's appropriate and you want an opinion, you're welcome to come and ask an opinion. Um, and if anybody's treating anybody like shit in the context of that challenge, I definitely want to know about it.
1: We do because have there a, will be a dispensement of judgment.
0: <laughs> that's right, because we do have a no being an asshole to each other rule. You
1: can't be abusive. We do. We do. We're down to a minute.
0: And I'm I'm willing to dispense judgment.
1: <laughs> I kinda <of> want to. <laughs> and I'm
0: willing to, No I don't I don't want I don't want somebody to be an asshole, but I'm but. willing to be judgmental.
1: <laughs> Anyways, you guys have a great week and um we will talk to you later. Say goodnight, Jilly. Good night everyone.